Welcome to Keep Going, a podcast about failure and success, hosted by John Biggs. Every week, we talk to an amazing person about a time they failed and what they learned. And remember, when you're going through hell, keep going. Welcome back to Keep Going. I'm your host, John Biggs, and today on the show we have Molly Cantrell Craig. She's currently working on a book called The Courage to Bloom, and uh, it sounds fascinating. Welcome, Molly. Hi, thanks, John. It's good to be here. Yeah, sorry, I'm a little bit. I have a little bit of a cold, so I got I got some nasally, but I think it gives me sort of like that uh, that that um, that Phoebe voice yeah. when she was singing uh, "Smelly Cat." So <laughs> I'm actually making some me. chicken noodle soup. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And so I will uh, beam some to you. Excellent. and I'll see if it works. We'll we'll see him. All right. So the concept of the show is obviously uh, you dealt with some hardship and how you got through it. Uh, why don't you talk to us about uh, the impetus for this book? Well, it's it's actually called Finding the Courage to Bloom, and the subtitle is um, A Field Guide to Autumn Roses. And the gist of it is is about five years ago there was a dissolution of a nonprofit that I had spent about ten years of my life cultivating. Um, and it, it uh, did fail, um, but some of the things, the failure was uh, due to me. And so what I've done with this book is I've incorporated the um, the parts where I fell short. And what was interesting, and if I can kind of squish it in, is that when I, I sent the initial pages of the manuscript to my editor, um, she said, do you want to go back into the nonprofit space? And I said, not really. I mean, I'm glad I did it, but that's not where my future lies. And she says, when I'm looking at these things about, you know, what you're attributing your failure to, and these are kind of like universal failure things, Mm -hmm. do you want to teach forward or teach backward? And so that really provided a pivot for me to just incorporate, you know, I'm I'm in my, the third act of my life. um, And I thought to myself, autumn roses, I'm out here walking around in Chicago, and I see these amazing, vibrant blooms of these roses that are in the fall. Um, and, uh, they're, they're still blooming, they're still mm-hmm. producing. And, uh, I just thought that might be a kind of a neat way to also let people know that you're always able to just move forward as long as you're, um, and you know. what does that mean to teach forward, teach backward? Well, I think what, what, what I understood uh, it to mean was, did I want to teach people in the nonprofit space? Did I want to reenter that world? And, uh, or did I want to take the universal lessons of failure and apply them forward toward all sorts of different strata or different types of um, situations and industries and people? And uh, I found that um, what I learned could really be applied to someone who's maybe um, gotten a divorce or failed at a job or failed at you know anything really. Uh, there's just certain um, there's certain not arcs, but it's kind of like, uh, it's almost like a, uh, a post-mortem interview when you leave a, a, mm-hmm. a job where they go over standard things, you know, Yeah, like your debrief, yeah, right? it's kind of a debrief. And I thought to myself, there are certain things. And it's also like, you know, when I, when I went through divorce, there's the stages of grief, you know, acceptance, denial, anger, blah, blah, blah. And so for me, that's what I really framed this book around in terms of, uh, triage, reconnaissance, uh, assessments, uh, and it's it's got a bunch of different uh, things incorporated from my life, so it's not just it's a nonprofit book, but my voice and the way that I write it's very anecdotal. Mm-hmm. So you'll get to see here's where Molly fails, 
here's what we learned. <laughs> so, so, so tell us a little bit about what, what happened at the, uh, at the, um, nonprofit. Well, okay. we may go from there. Yeah, well, there's a, it's essentially a nonprofit that I established that was born of my own situation as a former single mom on welfare. Um, and I would, since I did not have a car, my, I had a friend who was a welder who dropped me off at college two hours early. And then I eventually worked at newspapers where if my, by that time I had a hunk of bolts, but if it didn't start, they'd send out a van. And so over the course of my professional life, I learned how to um, move forward physically and literally and figuratively. And so when I got to a point where I could uh, create a nonprofit, we uh, awarded cars to women in transition. And mm -hmm. eventually moving to, moving to Chicago, awarded some vehicles. The first woman who had got a car here in Chicago was a welder. Uh, which was really amazing. And uh, so, but there were a lot of things about the nonprofit that I did not understand. And some of them had to be, uh, were things like, um, and this is what's in the book. Um, two of the crucial failures was, uh, I, I don't think people ask for what they need sometimes because they think that it's assumed that people know what they need. And the analogy for that was like an assumptive close. If you're familiar with the sales process, and, you know, you present all of the reasons why you should buy this product. And then if it's, if someone doesn't buy it, you're wondering why it didn't work. And it's because you didn't ask for the sale explicitly. Mm -hmm. And so there were a lot of things in the nonprofit where I just assumed people would know what I needed. And, uh, I didn't ask directly. And that not asking is something I've built into the book in terms of why don't you ask? Is it a worthiness issue? Is it a, you know, not knowing what you really need or asking the wrong people and, um, and then um, another thing is like a, it's almost like a scarcity mindset as well, or, or a passive aggressive thing about, well, you should know what I need. And I don't want to sound accusatory because it was something I lived. I mean, I, 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 I'm speaking from this um, perspective because it was me. I was the one walking into boardrooms thinking, well, haven't I told you a guy, haven't I made my case? Isn't it right there? You know? And so, uh, mm -hmm. um, but then another thing is, and this is a chief chief, chief failure point was a lot of people, um, fail because they give what they don't have. And that can mean, you know, um, I had a lot of the experiences that were helpful to the women that we were giving cars to, but there were a lot of things that I was not able to give in terms of awareness or, you know, skill sets. And so if you don't have it, you can't give it. And that was, um, that was something that I needed to learn. Those are, those are skills that I needed to learn. And it took me, like I said, the five years in between the uh, end of the organization and this book where I was able to deconstruct, do those postmortems, look at where I fit, uh, fell short and uh, just almost reinvent myself in a way. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So let's, let's go back and explore that a little bit. So I think that, I think that the failure to ask is an interesting, is an interesting point. I think that kind of catches a lot of people off guard that they, that they forget during even a conversation where the, the ask is obvious. I mean, it could be in a relationship. It could be in a, in, I don't know, sort of an investment scenario. It could even be at a job. The, the, the failure to ask just causes people just to stop and freeze. And they'll just, they'll just keep spitting niceties at each other until the, until the, the time is passed. How do you, how do you stop that? So for me, and this is going to sound like a reverse of it. Um, I was approached online um, from this person who sent me a direct message and, um, it was, uh, she was actually pitching her business. Um, 
and it wasn't a spam per se because we do have a mutual, but she kept um, offering and, and putting out, here's a service, service A, service B, service C. And finally, I got to a point where I'd always been answering, you know, the polite, yes, that sounds great, or okay, thank you, or whatever. But there wasn't a, I, I did not get the ask. And so finally, mm -hmm. um, it sounds as though what you're looking for is an actual business question and I'm not in a position where I would, that's not of interest to me. I'm, I, my you know, area of, of uh, interest is elsewhere and my energies are allocated elsewhere. I appreciate your time. But um, if this is a, is a you know, request to do business with me, I, I am not at that place. And so I'm not sure how long that conversation would have gone until I finally mm -hmm. said, hey, is this, are you pitching me? What's the dealio here? Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes um, it's just the the ability to discern and to um, take that step, you know, in that case of a relationship, you could maybe even say, you know, it sounds as though what you're asking here is you would like for us to be an item exclusively. Is that what you're wanting? Uh, and that gives the other person an opportunity to say, oh, no, I just wanted to know if you wanted to go to dinner with my mom, you know, mm -hmm. but if you don't understand what the question is, how can I, how can I move forward if I don't understand what you're asking? Um, and something I did the other day, I put it out on social about um, I even included it in my newsletter is, um, once in a while I send out emails to people and I, and I just say, Hey, just checking in, asking to see how you're doing. And if there's anything I can do for you, or you want me to, uh, make an introduction or uh, just be a, a, an ear, you know, if you have something you want to bounce, a, bounce something off. And, um, and I just do that proactively, but I think a lot of times when we are the asker, for whatever reason, we don't define what it is that we're looking for. And so, mm -hmm. so that I, I basically, when I added to that little email message, um, I just say, you know, most people respond best to direct requests. So you can say, Hey, I, I need a hug or, Hey, can you loan me five bucks? Or, Hey, I'm looking to meet someone in the VC space about, you know, flying widgets because then I've got information, then I can do something with it. And I can say, gosh, I don't know anybody in flying widgets. However, I do have five bucks, you know? Mm -hmm. So anyway, I just, I'm, I really love clarity now. Whereas, uh, you know, five, 10 years ago, I avoided clarity because I think sometimes when you ask, you're, you're asking yourself to define what it is that you really want. And sometimes I think people aren't ready to answer that own question for themselves. I don't want to go too far down this road, but is there, is there a cultural thing or is there... I mean, it's almost a Midwestern trade. I'm I'm from Ohio, so I almost I can I can kind of hear the I can kind of hear the Ohio in that in that statement. And I and I, I think I think to a degree, it has hampered a lot of my I don't know fundraising efforts. Whenever I tried to do a startup, I was too nice, et cetera, et cetera. And there's other folks out there who are ruthless when it comes to this kind of stuff. Is it a cultural thing? Is it a uh, is it a learned thing? And uh, and can it be broken? I suppose. So, um. I, I definitely think, you know, being an Iowan, the Midwesternism is, uh, is there. Um, I remember when I went to go, I spoke in Manhattan in 2014 for something that had to do with a nonprofit. And um, by and large, this is big, broad brushstrokes. I don't think New Yorkers are rude. They're just in a hurry. They've got someplace to go. So if you want them to help help you, Mm -hmm. I need to know what you want. Hey, I'm lost. Where is the subway? It's over there. See you, lady. You know, but they don't need to know the, the history of fire if you want a match. They just want you to know, or, you know, what you want a match? Here's a match. Got to go. 
Um, whereas in, you know, the Midwest, there's almost this, um, the niceties sometimes. Oh, I do. And then the other thing, so socially speaking, I also believe there are times where women are still socially conditioned that asking is too assertive. It's too aggressive. Uh, mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes, um, and that might be also generational because I will tell you that my three daughters have no condition mm -hmm. whatsoever saying, <laughs> this is what I need. This is, you know, why I need it. Even if, you know, why isn't even a factor necessarily, but that might almost be generational as well. So I think it's a factor of a lot of things. I'm not sure if that was a over answer. I think, I think that's, no, I think that's, I think it's, oh, I think it's cultural. I think it's, I think it's generational. I think there's all sorts of aspects. And I think it's just self, self-awareness is, is I think key here, right? Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Okay. And then, and then you said, then you were talking about uh, giving, giving what you don't have. Uh, what does that mean in, in the context of, of failure and, and, uh, and then getting over that? Well, so part of the reason that the nonprofit failed was I did not, for 10 years, did not draw a salary. That's stupid. Mm -hmm. That's ludicrous, right? Um, but I just kept thinking to myself, I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to leverage my marketing uh, in, you know, in, intelligence and, and uh, in service to the organization. And somewhere, somehow, we'll surely figure out Molly needs to be paid for her acumen mm -hmm. and I just it was it was a point at which I was giving what I did not have to give those were those were hours that should have been allocated toward client work and so um and part of that also has to do with um just that waiting for someone to realize that you're 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 worth what you're doing which is a is a sideways way of coming about um asking um you know, a long time before I should have, I should have just said, you know what, this is untenable and this is what's going to need to be done in order for this to move forward. But I just didn't do that. Um, and that was on me. Um, but then I also think, and this is a totally esoteric tangent We're I'm going to change direction here for a second. Um, I went back to college when I was 37, I'm in the student union having a snack and I'm overhearing on not on purpose, but there's two young women behind me talking about um, their issue, their issue with the TA for general chemistry. And the one young woman says, I just, I'm afraid to go talk to the TA. I just, I don't get it. I don't understand the material. I think I'm going to change my major and go to this direction. Mm -hmm. And adult Molly is listening to this 21 year old woman thinking, lady, you go in and you say that TA, I don't understand the material. I love this, what I want to be a doctor. I need to know what's going on in this course and, you know, stepping into her power, which sounds really woo woo and self-helpian, but to, to claim, I don't know what I'm doing here. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I wonder if that just doesn't happen from failure because I know I, I recognize myself in her. Um, and you know, the 37 year old woman would have definitely gone into that office and said, Hey, I'm missing something here. How can we move forward so that I can learn from you? Um, and when you don't have something, whether that's a skill set or you don't have, uh, you know, a, a finite resource like cash or resources or whatever, you can't you can't give it if you don't have it. Um, and I think sometimes people try to help, um, but they don't have. Uh, for whatever reason, the resources, um, I remember this is another esoteric one and it's relationship driven, but I dated mm -hmm. a guy 
um, when my children were little, and he was a really amazing person, really great guy. Um, but after about four months, we ended up not dating any longer, and he married someone like a year later who had no children, and um, it really bummed me out because I really thought we were we really got along, and I was talking to my mom about it. And she says, well, Molly, you know, sometimes, you know, if you're stopped by the side of the road and someone only has a motorcycle, they're not going to be able to take you and your three kids to the next town mm-hmm. to go get, you know, shelter or whatever. And I think that's another derivation of not being able to give what you don't have. You know, this guy was a great person, but for whatever reason, he could not give and wasn't at the same space in time of being a dad to three children, which there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that. It was just it wasn't something that he had to give and he didn't need to give it um, necessarily. But that's another way of, I think about giving what you don't have and being able to just, um, just move through situations. So how did, how has, how has your life changed after the failure? What, what have you, what have you started to do differently? We've discussed that a little bit, but, but have you noticed anything that you've done? I have to tell you, it's really um, amazing. Um, one of the things I, I sent out on my socials was sometimes pe- things were taken from you because you won't give them up. And mm-hmm. um, there were a lot of dark, dark days immediately after the end of that organization, because there was a lot of stuff that was said publicly that was extremely painful. And uh, it really put me, sent me to a really dark space. Um, you know, the only thing, and I don't know how dark you're, you're able to go on this cast, but um, I just, I, I did not want my kids to find my body. So that was the only thing keeping me doing mm-hmm. something really, really bad. Um, and from that, I had a lot of my friends, I called one person who works at General Motors and, and she said, you know what, you don't owe me an explanation at all. You know, and that kind of reminded me of that saying with, uh, I don't know if it's uh, Mark Twain. I'm, I'm sure it's, it's somebody. Mark Twain and mm-hmm. uh, or Abraham Lincoln or Gandalf, I can't remember, <laughs> um, said, you know, your friends don't need excuses and your enemies won't believe them. That t- that's mm-hmm. a total paraphrase. And so I just, with the help of a couple of, you know, 10, 20 people who just knew that I was a wonderful person, albeit maybe stupid in some respects, but they were my training wheels to kind of pivot through that period. And then, um, again, going back through the, the process, you know, what did I need to keep? What were the things that no longer served me? Um, and what did I truly, really want? And those were the, those are the um, psychological and physical uh, pylons upon which I built my new house, figuratively speaking. Mm-hmm. And so um, I actually feel in a lot of ways um, a lot stronger. Um, I I do have uh, the capacity and willingness to cut to the chase in a kind way in times when I can recognize, oh, I've, all right, I know where this is going because I've I've been in that space. And I will just, like I said to that woman who was trying to email me or message me about a business proposition, Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't unkind. And she ended up saying, wow, I really appreciate that because, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, if you're someone who's trying to to get that yes or or whatever and you don't get it, you're you're twiddling your thumbs into the you know, into the the land of maybe and you're not allocating your energy well either. So in a lot of ways, um I think I've gotten um just more efficient in a heart-centered way, which also sounds really help, you know, self-helping. Okay. But yeah. Well, I mean that that's it sounds nice, right? I mean, there's I I'm I had a I had a 
period of depression. I, I, sh I should do a podcast. I eventually will. I had a period of depression in the same way. And I think it was, and I think this, I think it was all mostly because I was just felt that I had to be mean to get my point across. Uh, and then I basically just ended up with, with nobody on my side. And, uh, and I mean, this is sort of penance for that to a degree, but my, my view there is that, is that that sort of growth and that sort of constructive growth is, is vital. And, and to take that away from a failure is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, and you know, the other thing that, that I have in the, in the book, I wanted to mention this is because I've, I've done a, another podcast that had an, a human resources bent and we were talking about how this gentleman had tried to put together a failure series, which, so the fact that you're doing this and it's well doing well and working is uh, really awesome. Um, because what this other person told me is he's, I just have a heck of a time getting guests because people don't want to talk about, fear. Mm -hmm. and it's like, mm -hmm. and, and it's, it's, like I said, I've included a portion of this in the book because it's, it's kind of close to either uh, financial contagion or social contagion where people almost think that it's going to, you know, they're going to rub off your, your failure is going to rub off on them. Um, and so, um, I also think that you've got to have a certain amount of like a kernel of some sort of core self-esteem that understands that you're not a failure. You are just failing mm -hmm. and being able to pick up the pieces and just rebuild. But if it's just, uh, and that's the arc of my life, quite frankly. Molly makes a mistake. Molly learns from it. Molly creates a solution. <laughs> Molly helps other people. That's basically what I've ever done ever since, I don't know, I was 18. Okay. So this is my brand. I'm the public failure. All right. Well, that's, that's, just, that's just who we need. <laughs> so uh, so you have, a, you have a book coming out. So Finding the Courage to Bloom, that's coming out next year, right? Yes. And... And how can people read your newsletter or how can people find you online and all that other good stuff? Every Sunday I sit down and I think to myself, what do I want to get done this week? And I plot that out. And so the newsletter is um, a life lesson, a life, a life hack and a treat. And it's super, super quick because I know people are busy and um, it's just fun. It's goofy, but it's uh, something right, I do. Perfect. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes. All right. Well, Molly, thank you for joining us. This has been amazing. I really appreciated all this. This was a, uh, and you, 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 you both had the experience of, of failing and you had ways around it, which is, which is excellent, which is great. Yeah. Well, I hope you feel better. And I'm so glad that you, um, you, you know, had me on. It's great to talk with smart people who uh, care about other people. All right. This has been Keep Going, a podcast about failure and success. I'm John Biggs. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Keep Going. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for listening. And remember, when you're going through hell, keep going. The